Welcome to the Handjam Rancho, the audacious podcast by Hannah Rankin. Okay, this is my VVVIP guest, and I have to say the conversation that I'm most excited to have. Every person that I've interviewed has inspired me, fueled me, taught me, but none have shaped me like this woman. She's formed the audacious part of my soul, and she told me not to accept being called a lady because it implied you have to behave in a specific type of way. She taught me to strive for financial independence so you never have to depend on anyone else and have options. She explained that people may be externally different, but we're all the same on the inside. She is my mother. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Hannah. It's great to be here. So we're going to go through and discuss some major audacious moments in your life in keeping with the topic of the show. These are all topics that we we talk about regularly ourselves. So I feel a bit almost intrusive, but because I wasn't even alive at this this part of your life, but we have talked about the those chapters, your childhood, your adolescence, your 20s, um, a lot. So I feel kind of like I was there, <laughs> like I feel like I know about it. Yeah. Um, and from an outside perspective, I the first audacious, part of your life that I picked out is obviously your mum sadly passed away when you were really young you were only eight but you were one of five so you were the second eldest and all of your siblings are boys and during that time it would have been the mid to late 60s and your it's actually the late 60s <laughs> late 60s early sorry. 70s yeah. early late 70s, 70s. Of course, yeah. Of course. yeah I'm not that old <laughs> um, and you describe the way that your nana differentiated between the genders of the roles within the five of you kids so the boys would be out playing and you'd stay home and make sandwiches yes of course because it was my paternal grandmother who came to look after us and it was all that she'd known and she'd had two sons herself which she had uh waited on hand and foot mm. and really looked after and in, uh, was a wonderful mother and she was a wonderful grandmother but she just had different aspirations for the boy children and for me so my, I was to be much more domesticated than they were they would go out with their friends and um down the beach away catching snakes and lizards <laughs> going uh, yachting um I, I mean I did have friends and I did go out but I had chores to attend to and um the biggest sticking point for me always was that uh, despite the boys some of the boys being younger than me they got two rounds of sandwiches for lunch and I only <laughs> ever got one because I was meant to eat less but um no she loved us all the same but she just was of a an age where you would taught you were treated differently to be a girl rather than a boy yeah so I guess that's what always shaped my uh demand for my own space as a woman to because I wanted two rounds of sandwiches (laughs) (laughs) and if that and you know the motivation of that has paid off in my life it's encouraged me to uh so how did you define those expectations in your household. What did that look like from 
that young age? Uh, not obviously not when I was a child. It was something that I just uh, it was the situation. And then um, when I was about twelve, my grandmother actually went to live with her other son, who very sadly his wife died. Um, and there was a lot of a lot more uh, put upon me as the only girl again about uh, helping to prepare the meals and. Um, the responsibility I mean it was difficult for my dad at the time too so we just all did what we could I remember my older brother and I trying to do the washing with a ringer Simpson washing machine and I can't remember if it was him or me who got our arms stuck in the roller oh my gosh <laughs> but it pops open so we were fine <laughs> but you know we were 12 and 13 trying yeah. to do the washing and teaching stuff ourselves like yeah yeah but um it was it was great growing up in a big family. There was always someone to play with. There was uh, always uh, competition. There was always not a lot of support. There was probably not time for that. But um, we all sort of rubbed along together and it was, it was great, really. But then you moved into your aunt's house when you were 14. And was it hard to separate from that family environment that you'd had up until that point? Mm. Like to leave the boys? I... Only in hindsight, at the time, I was a selfish teenage girl yeah. and I saw a, a, an opportunity or was invited to stay at my aunt's house with my cousin who was 18 months older than me and develop uh, differently because of the female environment yeah. and to have a big sister cousin to look up to and to um, teach me things like smoking, <laughs> drinking... All the important things that you should learn as a teenager. Yeah, and having a helicopter sent out to try and find you too yeah, when well, you've been yeah. snuck out. Yes. Well, I wonder where I get it from. <laughs> yeah. I was always uh, conscious of the things I got up to might just um, transpire to come out of my children and guess what they did. <laughs> well, I like that, that aspect of my personality. So... I wonder if, because um, you got married pretty young, and I know that was... I was a child. You were a child bride. 18 and two months, we don't remember. Oh my <laughs> goodness, that is obscene. Um, and I know that was typical of where you were from and the time. Like, yeah. lots of people did that. But was that agreeance to the proposal, was that decision um, to try and create some sort of family structure of your own um I think it partly was uh yeah and it just seemed part of growing up to get married Mm. that's what the progression was um I was still very determined not to have children which at that stage because I was still a child so ultimately that paid off but um we built a house we uh Mm. we, we I was very lucky that we had a home and uh it was a situation but also while I was working at the time I met some people that I was working with who had been educated and traveled and talked about the big wider world and I suddenly realized that I hadn't actually done anything with my life and that wasn't why my marriage broke down necessarily but I had aspirations as a result of those influences uh, and ultimately when my marriage ended I took all my superannuation <laughs> at the ripe old age of 22 and 
travelled abroad. So I know who you're talking about when you say they're influences. Um, they've been huge influences in my life too. Shout out to Paul and Linda. But um, was it they, they planted that seed for you that made you go, actually, I don't think this is enough. I've now got the first to go out there and explore. Um, I was always uh, somebody who deeply immersed myself in reading books and mm. watching old movies. And so... A bit of the Cinderella complex existed for me that I could have more. I mean, it doesn't always work out quite so easy, <laughs> but um, I wanted I wanted a bigger story. I suppose I wanted to uh, see what life could bring. Um, yeah, I just uh, wanted to experience more. I suppose. Well, I've I've cited the second audacious point. I mean. I, can I just caveat all of this and say there's way more than five in your life? <laughs> but the second one that I've pulled out for the sake of this conversation is leaving your um, childhood sweetheart. And I guess, oh, I wonder, was it quite controversial to get divorced in your early 20s? Uh, yeah, well, it had been done before, but um, no, it was, a, it was a difficult time because I was still very young and uh, I thought I'd built a life but um you wanted a refund yeah I kind of wanted a <laughs> refund um but it was challenging and, and I was stepping out into life as an independent person yeah without his secure the security of having him and his family and my family around me I didn't go overseas immediately I took some time but um I went I don't know a year later or something like that uh but one of the things uh, was these new influential people uh, had talked to me about was the Greek islands, and uh, I'd heard lots about them. So I went, was that the travel agent? And I said, I want to go to the Greek islands. And so I was flying to Athens on my own. And Is that um, where you went first? That's where I went first. And I didn't really know geographically where Athens was. I probably wasn't even that sure where uh, London was, but that wasn't my goal at that stage. Um, I just wanted to travel, and the Greek islands were the place that everybody talked about. So that's where I went. That's so wild. (laughs) I mean, when I moved... So you left Western Australia, and then I've since moved to Australia. Um... And when I got there and the people I was meeting, they were all had the travelling bug and a lot of them were international. And some people had moved there having never been there. They yeah. like fully relocated their whole life and had never actually gone there to, visited it. <laughs> to check that they, they might like wanted that, so, that environment. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, I've been to Australia so many times when I went and it's... Familiar. So, so, so familiar. And obviously I've got a whole heap of relatives there so it does feel like a second home for me um and and when I travel now just for you know just holidays or travel experiences because of the internet and everything there's so much background research you can do prior but to go somewhere that you just like (laughs) you probably couldn't even draw it on a map pick it out on a map (laughs) that's so wild so tell me I love, love, love hearing about your travel stories from that time because in my head you went literally all over the world. Well, not quite, not quite. <laughs> you went to so but, many places. But I had, though. I mean, I had an amazing time, and I had some. Um, and you met my adopted aunt. Your adopted <laughs> aunt, yeah. 
uh, that I mean, she came a bit later. Uh, I had a German friend for a long time who was my base um, and I spent my first Christmas with. Uh, yeah, I, Greece, uh, Yugoslavia, as it was known, Italy, all through Europe, um, up to Scandinavia. I didn't come to London until quite a few months later. Um, but I stayed and worked in London and then went off travelling again the next year in the climate and better the summer months and generally stayed working and traveling and working and traveling um for some years good bad experiences what sticks out when oh, you think of that? mixed experiences um uh, one of which i've told you about when i got to uh i was traveling from denmark to, to sweden uh, i must have caught a ferry and i needed um, where I was staying to get to the youth hostel was a bus ride and a long walk with my backpack and it was late at night and I got there at like 10 past 10 in this in this wooded place and um the guy wouldn't let me stay I Mm. was a girl on my own and he wouldn't let me stay so uh I had a a U-rail pass at the time and you could get on trains and travel if you were stuck for accommodation so I walked back to the bus station, to the bus stop, and happened to get chatting to a guy that was there. He was, you know, I'm still only about 22, 23 at the time. Um, and he he was going home from somewhere and he offered for me to come back and stay at his place. Obviously, there was a lot going on in my mind about <laughs> should I, shan't I, should I, shan't I? But he seemed likeable enough and... It was a brave thing to do. Some might say stupid, but do you know what? He was the perfect gentleman and gracious and gave me uh, food and a beer and we talked. And um, the next morning he had to leave to go to work. He left me in his place with some Swedish money because I didn't have, that was the other problem. I didn't have any Swedish money. I hadn't been able to change it. And that was all before credit cards and tap and all that stuff. And he left me in his place and he left me money to travel to the wow. bus station. I mean, it was a real... I don't think you have told me that before. Have I not? No. I'm sure I have. But yeah, so that was a really extraordinary human experience of kindness. Yeah. So good Samaritan stuff. It's so weird because, I mean, it is such a risk. But even in my travels, the most incredible memories stick out like that where people you like you take that risk and people have to live yeah. it but I know the the flip side of that is They're unthinkable others. yeah exactly but, at but the you same have time, to assess you have to do your risk assessment and see I know but when you watch like the serial killer <laughs> documentaries yeah, they always seem we've got to be careful of those sorts of influences Hannah you know statistics <laughs> are that children are just as safe today as they were years ago when, yeah. we, when we went out without mobile phones yeah. and we stayed out till the street lights came on and all those sorts of things so yeah obviously I wasn't quite so relaxed about your exactly (laughs) hypocrite much but yeah I I when I did find a base in Oz I was really conscious to try and pay that kindness forward that I'd received as a traveler people were so generous like a girl I'd gone to high school with in England only for two years before she moved to Australia her parents had me stay for a couple of months yeah yeah, yeah. They, they, they wouldn't take any board they I got a massive bedroom with an ensuite after living in a hostel for months I was like felt like I was in a palace they made me pack lunches when I went to work I mean their generosity was so 
Amazing. So no, incredible. no, no. They, they were very kind to you. Yeah. And and people people are kind. Yeah. Generally, they you know yeah. I've had lots of experiences uh, of that sort of thing in my life, and so yeah, I think it's having the faith in humans. Yeah. So then, when did you go to Israel? I want to hear about that. I find that fascinating. So I was working as a temp secretary in the day and in a pub at night um living with my cousin and her boyfriend and uh I worked with a fabulous girl called Jane and I'm not quite sure how we got on to talking about going to Israel whether it was her driving it or me I don't remember but we we decided to travel together and we went via Germany because I had some friends there for fashing which is like the carnival uh, the beats before lent starts so we okay. went to munich for that i don't even remember how we went from munich to israel we must have flown um do they yeah. have planes in those days yes hannah they had planes <laughs> in those extraordinary i know we used to leave messages with the right on blackboards you know? oh yeah. yeah with the right brothers like in yeah your they classes. were a bit older yeah that's right yeah because <laughs> we're very grateful that i didn't die in the great fire of the <laughs> My nephew learned about the Great Fire of London at school and came home and said, I'm really glad that Nana me didn't die in the Great Fire of London. We're all grateful. We're all so grateful, Mum. So, yeah. So anyway, so Jane, Jane and I, uh, we got to Israel. I think we had to have arranged it beforehand that we were um, volunteers uh, on kibbutz. And we did that. We... We were allocated to a, a kibbutz called Amiad, which is just north of Tiberias. And we went and worked and had the most irresponsible time of our lives because uh, at that time you you did work. You got up uh, probably at six o'clock and went out to work till about uh, one o'clock and then you had lunch and then you were free for the rest of the day. And when you say you were sort of working slash volunteering, what did that entail? I worked in the kitchen, mostly, food preparation, and worked with the chef and learnt my one line of Hebrew. Um, Do you remember it? Yeah, but we don't need to hear that now. <laughs> and uh, Jane loved to be outside, so she worked in the gardens, and the, generally all the guys that were there worked in the plantations. There were avocados and um, bananas. They did a lot of work at the banana plantation. Oh, and sometimes you could work afternoon shift at the reticulation factory that was on the kibbutz, which I think it was less hours if you worked in the factory, which was pressing a button. The door would open and you'd put a piece of plastic in. Then you'd press a button to close the door and then it would do something and then you'd move it. Wow. Yeah, so we, you did that sometimes. But that was fine because you finished at nine o'clock at night and the bar was open till 10 o'clock at night. So then so you, you went could quickly to the bar. get a... Yeah, so there was um, all sorts of nationalities of volunteers, uh, quite a a few other Australians, um, and Jane and I were having a very good time with uh, the local uh, people as well as the volunteer people, and then, I don't know whether it was like a month in, maybe a busload of Danes arrived, (gasps) 20 beautiful women (laughs) And two guys. Oh. Yeah. So the girls kind of trumped. The girls, they, they were just, cleaned you know, up. they just, <laughs> there was no competition, I'm right. <laughs> That's so when, funny. They crammed just yeah, up. Yeah, and murder and, oh, they all arrived. It was so funny. And, um, yes, 
everybody so felt for the did danger. Did you leave Israel? No, we stayed <laughs> and we made friends and it was all fun. It was all fine. We stayed for about six months. We travelled around Israel, went to Jerusalem, uh, Bethlehem. Um, we went on volunteer trips sometimes where you went to the borders, Jordan and uh, Lebanon and places like that. We went to Egypt from Israel, which I would recommend that you don't go to Egypt in August. I've done that. Yeah. As you know, it was July. Yeah, but yeah. it's scorching. Scorching. <laughs> and too poor to pay for good hotels. When we were in Cairo, we would we were staying at cheap hotels with no air conditioning, but we would go to the Ritz at five o'clock. Oh my god! For one beer, that's all we could afford each. And, just to cool down. Yeah, just to cool down in the air conditioning, and they would serve us with some complimentary peanuts. So that was fill that, them up. That was the treat of the day: was the, the cold beer, the peanuts, and the air conditioning. Do you know what? That's so funny. I you've not told me that story either because <laughs> when I went to Egypt, I was eighteen, and Geordie and I went, and I didn't have any spending money. <laughs> <laughs> so we would go to the buffet breakfast <gasps> as late stash. as possible. Yeah, fill our pockets with bread rolls. And, like, eat all the fruit so we get some nutrients there. And then we just sit by the pool all day sweating. Eating bread rolls. And, yeah, we'd, like, sneak in, like, put our head in our bag and quickly wolf down some bread rolls. It was, um, yeah, not one of my yummiest holidays. holidays. No, but, but we just wanted some. Well, when I was travelling, you, you, you were very... Uh, you had to be very economical with your money. You yeah. wanted it to last as long as possible. So, uh, yeah, I've eaten not very much. And I've eaten in some... Oh, I mean, you get some wonderful finds when you eat cheap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I've eaten some pretty bad meals too. But uh, you do it for the financial gain yeah. of another day's holiday. Or yeah. another day not working. That's why when I moved to Melbourne at the very beginning of my adventure and... Didn't realise how cold and wet it is there. And I rang you from um, a changing room, a fitting room in a store, trying on a flannel shirt and an anorak. (laughs) And I was like, mom, I know I'm not supposed to spend my savings on clothes. I was like, what do I do? What do I do? Like, I need that money to last as long as possible. And you were like, for fuck's sake, Hannah, if it's fucking raining, buy the anorak. (laughs) Like, there are things I need to help you work out, but really, not one of them. I just felt like the traveller's guilt. Yes, yes, because you didn't buy things. And for me, you didn't buy things because you had to carry it. Oh, you know, yeah. I carried that backpack on and off for three years. Yeah. It was a long time. We were very attached. I and did I, it for three months. I had a very streamlined version of packing. Did you feel like every time you packed, your stuff had grown? Like, the same amount of things and it didn't just, fit in the same no, I was... Pr- I, well, you know how methodical I am about doing certain things. <coughs> Anal. <laughs> and so, yeah, there was a way of packing, and that's the only way. Um, when I was with Jane, and there was another girl sometimes called Lee, uh, when we were... Where were we? I think we were in Greece. We had a tent and some cooking apparatus, and you had to have your turn carrying different things... Yeah, it wasn't good when you got the tent, I think. Because you had sleeping bags already. But, um, yeah, carrying your stuff a lot. Yeah. So you didn't buy very many things, one, because you were poor. Yeah. You were know, mm. a traveller, not a holiday maker. Holidays yes. are different to travelling. Yeah. 
So you do it differently. So then after you'd been around the world 10 times, you went back to WA, which must have felt even smaller after sort of seeing the great Yeah, I had a real sense. That was uh, 1985. I had a real sense of homesickness and the shared house I was living in in London. People were coming and going. We had sometimes four to 14 and oh my gosh, it was like a commune. No, well, uh, I don't know if you know this song, Men at Work, uh, by Men at Work, when they talk about lounge lizards. Oh, you sent me to that show. Yeah, I did. <laughs> That's right. But there, people would uh, sleep in, there was a hierarchy of when you came into the house as to what bedroom you got. And if you, uh, you there were various elevations, the longer you stayed, you got different rooms. Right. So, um, we sort of, Jane and I hijacked one, but that was fine. We got the beds that we wanted. Yeah. And poor Billy. Don't mind, he was on the floor after that, but um, he shouldn't have gone away for the weekend. That's what happens. Got to call dibs and market territory. Yeah. But, so, uh, but uh, lots of people were moving on and they were refurbing the apartments. And they, I mean, we weren't quite squatting, but it was fairly basic living. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go home. I'm going to see what that's like. But... I couldn't settle. It wasn't... Mm. I Because of my divorce in my hometown environment, I didn't feel very at ease there for that time. Um, I I didn't stay. I worked up north for a little bit and... North caught, of Western Australia. Well, West Australia. And caught like up, Broome? Uh, Caratha. Is that higher than Broome? It's quite close, quite nearby. Um, and, yeah, I worked up there for a while with my cousin and her boyfriend still at the time I kept meeting up with each other and that was really fun but then I had I stayed about six months and then I decided to come back Mm. I saved up my money and I came back and then it was about uh, a year a year or two later that I met your dad yeah I was gonna say that was another time yeah (laughs) then you got married really quickly and then had me Quite quickly. Yeah, I did. I did. All in two years, would you say? Yeah. 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 And th- which brings us on very nicely to our third oh. audacious point, which is essentially being a mum. Being a mum. And yeah. to, well, in your words, to provide the experiences that you'd wished someone had provided you. Yeah, I'm not sure what was audacious about it. It was pretty exciting becoming a mum. And well, I especially mean, a little girl, that was what I yeah. really wanted. Yeah, and you got me. And I got so lucky. <laughs> well, I know from other experiences that you, you know, obviously your relationship with Jane was very um, formative and kind of saturated a lot of that tra- those travelling years. She was kind of your buddy, your companion. And you said that it was a, a surprise to her that that was something you really wanted to do being a mom because you probably had been very carefree and you didn't have much baggage in terms of life you were able to go and go yeah, to new yeah, countries yeah. and, we and then suddenly you were putting roots down you're anchoring yourself in a marriage and building a family and it's quite a stark contrast perhaps yeah what I wanted to do though it was um yeah I'm very pleased that I had children, but mm. it's not what everybody chooses to do. And no. so that's that's their choice. But I was lucky enough to get a daughter. And so I have spent your life living uh, the experience of what it's like to have a mother, I guess. Yeah. Um, that 
is the unconditional love and the always there for you. And yeah. I hope that's what you feel. Oh, I do massively. Mm. Um, and as I said in the in very brief intro, you know, I think the spunkiness in my soul, which is the part of my personality that I probably like the most, I feel like you really... Well, it probably comes from you, but also you really nurtured it and encouraged it and um, you still do inspire me to continuously not educate myself in a really formal education structure, although that was really important to you, but like to, to keep learning and keep bringing new experiences into the fold of my understanding of the world and because there's a lot to learn. Oh and my gosh. You, I, and you're so on, you know, it, it takes a long time to form a, form a proper person. Who, I think it's Oscar Wilde that says the more you know, the more you realise you, you don't know. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. I find that to be true massively. I know when you're 18, you feel like you know everything. Yeah. And now that I'm fast approaching 30, I I feel like, you know, there's so much geography, there's so many sections of the the world map that I don't feel familiar with. Like there are so many more cultures that I want to roll around in and absorb. Yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah. But then, so you definitely crafted that spirit within me and nurtured the inner feminist I had from a very young age. Um, But, you know, as much as I was your dream come true and being a daughter, we, you know, I was a really difficult teenager and, and it would have been, or well, I know that it was difficult to navigate that aspect of parenting where I was trying to figure out who I was as a young woman and it was kind of coming out sideways for me. I couldn't quite work out where I felt at ease within myself and within my external environment. But the external environment I was in, you really wanted for me because it would give me, and it did give me, a platform to then feel confident yeah, in any it, room. It was interesting, wasn't it? Because I wanted things for you that I I had to overcome, mm. for example. Because, you know, as you know, I left school at 15 um, and then went on and went back to university and got a degree uh, and learned a lot of things that I felt I didn't know. That was when me and my brother were little though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was much later. Much but later. I wanted you to have the confidence to of having um, a good education and uh, a, I wanted you to also experience uh, Christianity. I wanted you to know about really? that. Only because there, within the society that I had moved into there was always a, a discussion about it or an understanding of it. And so I wanted you to have a perspective. Yeah. I didn't want you to be uh, uh, religious, but I wanted you to be aware of it, I suppose. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, and lots of things. So, And I wanted you to have the confidence to be the best you could be. Uh, and I know sometimes I struggle because I didn't uh, have all the the trappings that... Yeah. A lot of people had. I find it's, yeah, it's such a, yeah, it's just so interesting because in so many ways we're cut from the same cloth and yet what you wanted for me, I mean, it's hard to comprehend that at such a young age and I was incredibly ungrateful for it at the time. You were, as funny as you mentioned. <laughs> I was, but, but you have no perspective no, no, of, of what not having it is. Yeah, exactly. And I did feel very much that these desires from your side were being pushed on was, me yeah. and 
so for me in particular, it was the schools that I went to. I found the only way I can describe it is that it was a lady factory and I didn't subscribe to the type of young woman that they accredited to be what they deemed as successful. Yeah, but you weren't seeing it because what they were, what I saw them creating was educated, thoughtful, active women. And that's actually what you've become. Yeah, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't credit that environment. I What I credit that environment for is making me feel um, that I belong in any room. They gave, but that's an almost, it's a, it's a privilege slash arrogance that you can be in any room and think, never think I don't deserve to be here. Yeah, I, I don't know deserve or if I just don't feel comfortable is what yeah. I wanted. And I, I certainly uh, feel comfortable in any yeah. environment. Um, but I didn't feel seen as an individual there. I didn't feel but nourished. As you all know, when and if you become a mother, there's not there's a time where you have to go through an experience of uh, building the foundations yeah. to fly, to be the, the kind of free thinker. Yeah. Uh, but that, that I would say I got more from home. I yes. got more from, I mean, as much as I've disagreed for the majority of my life with dad's perspective, we were encouraged massively to discuss debate around the dinner table yeah, yeah, we from a very young age. I never felt um, insufficient to take on an adult, no matter what age <laughs> no, I was. You didn't. In fact, I remember a family friend that Geordie sat around the dinner table with Geordie and um, I went head to head with her dad, who's who was very much like my second dad when I was growing up. And as we walked out of the restaurant we were in, I think it was her younger brother that came up to me, sort of linked me in arm with arm and goes, well done, no one takes off my dad like that. <laughs> and, and you know, the way that Rob is so charismatic and he sort of pulled his chair back and he was like, right, let's get into it. <laughs> yeah, and then at the end, he just praises you as a young person for engaging yeah. in that way. And that, you know, that was, that's formed me more, I think, and that, the home environment of encouraging me to have a voice, to have an opinion. Yeah. yeah Whereas definitely. actually at school, I feel like I was told the opposite. But you were being, it was being built into you. You know, the education is the thing that gives yeah. you the confidence to stand up and speak. Yeah. Because even with your activism now, if you couldn't support it with a, a knowledge and an understanding, an informed perspective of, what it is that matters and what we care about and how we have to move forward and make changes, then you wouldn't have any uh, impetus to what you do. Again, I I agree massively, but I just don't think school's where I got that. I think, I mean, what, what I will praise school for is some isolated teachers that I feel, I hope that everyone's lucky enough to have have, as those, those, every now and then you get an in- well for me it was always english or theater and they just Support didn't you seem like a part of the school system they were like there because they loved what they talked about and what they were teaching and they they encouraged us rather than box ticking and mm. those were really precious relationships and i always wanted to do good by that teacher because i respected them whereas yeah. the ones i didn't respect didn't really care which but you were doing yourself a disservice. Oh, massively. That's, and I and wish I could it. do it yeah, all over yeah, again. Exactly. Not as that age, but as this age. So, yeah. Um, but I feel like the activism spirit is from you and you, oh, Honest. I, yeah. And then yeah. the when you say knowledge to back it up, well, I mean, I take that as a compliment and, and thank you for it. But I still feel like I, I 
I'm so driven by emotion and I'm constantly trying to inform myself more but I feel like that's an education I've taken myself on yes yeah yeah, yeah. and but uh and it has uh, and I'm just going to go back to the education thing because that's what we're we need to think about is what you learn yeah so uh there is still uh patriarchal way of teaching which is not necessarily encouraging you to to think in the way that the woke generation do but but you're developing that for yourselves and that will have an influence on the kids that come after you hopefully in the education and we hopefully will get less box ticking about exams yeah you know the whole i got a detention because i fell asleep in my written home economics exam it's like, what degree do you put yeah, the well, you, oven on? You did fail that, huh? Yeah, I failed it massively because I didn't give a shit about being in the kitchen. That yeah. was not my bag. Yeah. But, they, you know, part of the, the discussion about education these days is giving kids more life skills, like learn to balance, learn to handle money, learn mm. to, I don't know, uh, fill in forms, understand your internet, yeah. how it works, you know, those sorts of yeah. uh, practical skills. Coding. Coding. Learning Chinese. Yeah, These are all valuable learn, skills. Why don't you learn coding? I still feel like I should learn coding. <laughs> well, there's no time like the present. Yeah. Okay, so, I, I mean, that's funny that you say that because I do feel like there's no stopping you in adding texture to your life just because you're of a certain age. There's no slowing down in the means. Yeah, that certainly <laughs> is something I've grown into because there was a... And, and life takes a, a different journey doesn't it because I I don't want to become an old person I don't want to not be learning I don't want to not be thinking about things um I try to keep abreast I think I told you I was listening to a particular podcast and they the guy said I think our kids generation he's in his 30s will be the first that will grow up with parents understanding the 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 gig uh, economy and world and digital uh, marketing media and etc but I thought well I may not be quite on top of her but I know stuff and 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 that's what you have to stay with it otherwise you become that person who wants things to (laughs) hark back to days gone by which I don't really ascribe to yeah I mean you 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 know you consume everything that I consume. You just don't know how to do it yourself, always. Always, no. But I you, don't. you figure it out. Yeah. You're pretty savvy. Um, so, yeah, I'm really interested in aging, actually, because mm. I do. I know, I know, it's 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 a complex experience. I appreciate that, but as a youngish person, I the people that I value the most in my life are older and not value is the wrong word. Okay. The people that I learn from the most. And I, I feel quite unique for my, or maybe not in thirties, but in twenties, I think it's quite unique to really want to spend more of my time with yeah, older you, people. It usually comes later yeah. to be fair that and you I, want to learn like your family history yeah. and the, and people's life stories because there's always lots of, uh, information, wisdom to yeah. come from those experiences. But I mean, sitting we, down with my two grandmothers, I love to quiz them about their life because, you know, I think I've got an opinion on things. I've got life experiences and they've only got that troubled. So like, why wouldn't you want to tap into that information source? Yeah. 
But then I also, we talk about this quite a lot, it's it's disconcerting to not be able to do things or to see your outer shell changing in a way that doesn't represent how you feel on the inside. Yeah, um, that is frustrating. Uh, like not being able to sit cross-legged <laughs> or do handstands in the garden with your granddaughter. Um, yeah, those are difficult things. But in my soul, I feel I'm, I'm going to go with 31. So 31, I'm still okay. older than you at the moment. Okay. But um, that's not going to last forever. I, I, I don't want to view the future is a, is a, towards an ending. I, I'm still growing and yeah. I'm still experiencing. And um, uh, I'm still working, so that makes a big difference too because I have to sometimes armour myself to go into the environment to be the best person presented mm. for my age yeah, and my gender as well. So yeah. I have to be competent and... Um, sometimes it's easier than others yeah so you didn't work for a number of years and then you went back into the workplace in your 50s and I wasn't well I'll let you speak on this obviously this is your experience um (laughs) but it sounds like from an outside perspective it's gotten more difficult even in the last I mean how long have you been back in the workplace probably approaching Uh, 10 years yeah yeah just well over 10 years but uh, yeah yeah um having your, like, uh, holding your space at the age that you are within a working environment has become more challenging. Do you feel overlooked? Yeah, no, 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 no. Your... It, it, is, it is challenging and I have to work hard at it because I, I don't have, because of the area of work that I do, um, I... I have to put myself out there regularly mm. uh, and present myself. And my personality, it suits my personality to do that. But also I know when I wake up in the morning that I'm probably 20 years older than what they're expecting when, yeah. when I go to a meeting, which is sometimes positive because of the sector I work in, but sometimes not. Um, but, and when I was job hunting, when I was changing jobs, because I... I have generally improved my job in each circumstance yeah. and my uh, my earning potential. So I'm always up selling. So it's just, you know, still be moving and growing in my professional career is um, is hard, harder than it used to be. Mm. Yeah. But but I like to be working. I like it. Yeah. It puts me in touch with um, lots of different people, different influences. I'm going to remind you that on Monday morning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was my fourth audacious point was was being in the work environment and going back to work. But it's actually just made me... You said something that's made me think of an overarching audacity that you have in, <laughs> in your being. And probably, like, one of my top three things about you. And that's your dress sense. <laughs> you, say, you, you just said something like about presenting yourself. And I just suddenly thought of, like, all your incredible outfits and, and your bright pink suit or you know wearing your nike air force ones with your <laughs> tailored outfit and a shirt and um you've always had a really bold sense of style and fueled me to be confident in breaking and like dressing mm. differently i remember once actually i was wearing a white strap top and plain jeans and you go 
you're seeing a boy, aren't you? Because you knew that I paired myself back because normally I'm really bright and colourful and, and daring and I was kind of known for that for much of my adolescence. But when I stripped it back, it's because I was trying to be palatable. <laughs> for the, for the could, men. Yeah, for the men. And you knew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Because I know how, how it works. So, yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, I, I've i loved uh, the to dress up and fashion's been important to me and different looks and yeah. identities and uh, play acting in some yeah. ways. Uh, you know, Something I've always been jealous of, even though I'm, I love how adventurous you and I are as people, even adventurous dresses, but when they have a signature look, I feel like you and I just do everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't want to be uh, sort of limited limited exactly we don't want to be limited to just one look because the weather can change and so and what i'm doing can change so i need to dress for the occasion yeah uh, uh, for the occasion and just to express myself it's a big part of my creativity if i have any is is the way i dress and don't be self-deprecating you have lots of creativity (laughs) and i and i i don't know any other way to be yeah you know i I just do it and yeah sometimes most of the time it works sometimes it doesn't (laughs) I know you look back and you're like why actually I'm finding it really uh, interesting at the moment with all these uh, floral pantsuits and um, jumpsuits and things like that I remember us laughing at photos of me in hot pink and uh, floral shirts and things back in the 90s and um when we had a party to celebrate just after your brother was born, I had palazzo, pattern palazzo pants and a pattern palazzo top, all, you know, coordinated. And I thought it was hideous, I don't know, <laughs> 10 years later or 20 years, 15 years later. And now it's all yeah. back. If only we'd kept it. <laughs> I know. This is why it's so scary to ever throw anything away. I've had my, I mean, the first resurgence of a trend has happened for me in like the teenagers oh. doing the 90s thing. Or well, no, it's more noughties to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. Of, could, we dress like the pop stars of the time and they're yeah. dressing like them now. Even our pop, even the current pop stars are dressing like, like the pop, pop stars, stars that I looked up to. <laughs> yeah so that's weird yeah. it? Uh, I love it though because you want to do it yeah oh, it just if it almost feels like home I sound, I sort of feel weird when doing flares is like the third or fourth time that I've done flares <laughs> <laughs> like you've lived a really long time if you're doing it yeah. yeah that's so cool okay and so then am I allowed to say oh I've got to say it what I don't know <laughs> ahead of your 60th oh right yeah. yes because I am 60 <laughs> Well, I think we should be loud and proud about it. Um, and well, I always say the alternative to growing older is dying young, yes, and we it, don't want that. We definitely don't want that. Actually, before I jump into this um, fifth audacious point, what was it like when you got to the age that your mum was when she passed away? That must have been a really weird year. It, yeah, it truly was, and and it still it comes over me to be alive and doing things that she was never able to do. Uh, and this will, you know, uh, sadden people because my memories are very limited yeah. at being eight. You you think of all that hard work you yeah. put into your children uh, to those ages. And I, I have mem- some memories, but the influence of her wasn't there. Yeah. The sense of humour, her... I, I don't have a laugh. I don't have um, yeah. the things that made her cross my brothers generally but you know um I don't know there's not a whole person and and people get idealized after they pass away which 
it's fair and reasonable, but um, you can't get to grips with knowing the full person, really. Did you used to tap your aunt for anecdotes about her? Yeah, we talked a bit, but again, um, she lived... She'd left Victoria and lived in West Australia, so they didn't have a lot of um, contact, contact in that chapter, yeah. yeah. I'm, no, I, I did, and I did talk to my dad about her sometimes, and um, yeah, of course, but she didn't, I don't know, we didn't talk about her a lot after that. So yes, back to your question, turning 35 was big, and I was in some ways anxious, because as you know, there's a family history of... Uh, the heart issue so I was conscious and of probably one of my motivating factors to keeping healthy mm. is to uh, and checked so mainly it's vanity let's be honest mainly it's vanity <laughs> that's okay so you fit into your pink suit yeah 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 um okay so the fifth audacious point that we have identified because we only have an hour um is that you did 60 for 60 so your 60th year from 59 to 60 you gave yourself the goal of attending yeah 60 gigs slash live music events so i'd uh i never really done music uh, as a teenager i was too busy being interested in boys rather than uh, music but i had started to get into it in the indie scene listen to new stuff hear about it and started had started going to gigs at and, what 57 <laughs> well a bit older even i mean it was i don't know yeah 57 58 maybe and then it just came on me because i knew my 60th was coming and i thought because when i was 50 and i set myself personal goals to achieve then and i can't quite remember what they were but um i think they were physical goals of oh yeah i was just thinking about your 50th yeah, um, but I thought I've got to market. I've got to mm. because well, there's still a lot that's got to be done because um, I want life to be uh, a series of experiences. Because now acquiring material goods is not much, not as much fun because they're going to go eventually, and it's experiences I want to remember. So I thought, what can I do? And um, yeah, I decided on this. <laughs> And it was so much fun. It was so tiring sometimes. But um, I loved every single gig that I went to. Well, maybe not all of them, but maybe only two I didn't like so much. But um, And how many did you end up doing? I did 70. Yeah. Yeah. Of course you did, babe. Smashed it. Smashed it. Uh, I mean, it was a whole... Uh, again, it was a learning curve about how to book early, how to get into doing the... to get to the gigs that you wanted to go to, learning all the venues, where to stand, to get the best view, because um, sometimes you wanted to be in amongst it and sometimes you didn't. Uh, And I think, it, yeah, part of it was fed by going to festivals. I I went uh, to Enterprise. Do you have a friendship group of 30-year-olds? Yes, I do. And me and Jessie, uh, Claire and Charlotte, we went to the end of the road, uh, I don't know, two years before my 60th year. Um, and then I recruited Jess to come to lots of the gigs with me as well. So uh, it's been great fun uh, listening to music. And I, I also uh, had to learn to not be influenced by other people's opinions of music because I wanted to 
see what music I liked and listen to the music that I wanted to hear. Uh, so that was a big journey too, yeah. uh, understanding that. And I quite like Americana and a yeah. little bit of country and blues. And so is it your fault I'm obsessed with Cheryl Crow then? Yeah, probably. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think I can take a responsibility or credit for that. Um, but I have explored some of that, and um, and that's been great fun. Uh, yeah as well as all the indie. And so, and also I like to hear some of the old school bands, you know, having seen the Rolling Stones for the first time. Yeah. Despite the fact that they're in their 70s or 80s, I know, 70s. But, um, yeah, that's been pretty cool. And, of course, we went to see Neil Young and Bob Dylan. And, um, yeah, so I've been reliving my youth, I suppose, going gigging. Yeah. Uh, hanging out I've got a very good t-shirt collection now oh my goodness a band tea drawer to die for yeah and again bringing it back to your fashion I've loved the looks we've had dungarees at festivals with flowers in your hair we've had (laughs) a lot of neon pink and a now famous shiny silver bucket hat bucket hat silver bucket hat you've got to have a statement (sighs) piece Yes. Yeah. You yep. and Jess love the bucket hat. You... Do you know what? The bucket hat has grown on me over time. The neon pink, I object. Yeah. You've got to have a little splash of colour. <laughs> a little splash of <laughs> colour. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, are you talking about my Ibiza glasses? I'm talking you? about your Ibiza glasses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're good for running in, see? <laughs> what, because you won't get hit by a yes, car? Yes, exactly. They'll see me. <laughs> Mum, even though you're half mum because you're so short, <laughs> no one could ever miss you. Yeah, well, that's okay then. You're a force to be reckoned yeah. with. You've got to be seen, Han. Yeah, it's my life. Yeah, exactly. My life goal to be seen. To be seen. Um, yeah, it's, yeah that, that is an interesting concept, isn't it? Striving to be seen and then also sometimes feeling so uncomfortable when you are. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm very, very good just off center. I don't like to be full center. Yeah. That, that's too much. I can't, uh, it undermines me. Because you're so, you're, I don't know, you're so out there and you march to the beat of your own drum and you are, you know, we talked about this hunger that you have for learning, for travel, for new experiences. And you've been through a lot that we haven't touched on and I always say my word for you as a survivor you've been through you've gotten to the other side of a lot of really yeah I've learned a lot about doing that too yeah and you've talked about it about the fear the fear is the worst thing yeah but that's my biggest I don't know frustration and also wish for you is that you saw you how I see you because while you've got a lot of gumption and a lot of you are very daring I feel like you don't rate yourself enough like Mm -hmm. I think you're so beautiful and vivacious and and you know there's a there is a real strong confidence in you in some aspect it's really hard it's well it's really hard to describe I guess I'm like I'm like all people I'm complex yeah multifaceted and so so, uh, I ebb and flow too um I I choose to be brave about life and I choose to be happy. That yeah, um, that really is uh, something I'm, I've developed in in later yeah. years when when I understand 
you know, we're only here for such a short time and so you've got to you've got to make the most of it and you've got to let it be the best it can be. Yeah. And <laughs> some of my friends might say I stick my head in the sand a bit about some... Uh, you compartmentalise things do. and when then you the... box them and then you put a padlock on them and then you <laughs> that wrap I buried a chain <laughs> around the, the trunk and you throw it to the bottom of the ocean. But, but it means I... But it means that I get through that and, yeah. and, and I and I remain intact and um, I learn from it, you know, yeah. I do. But uh, it's the way, uh, you know, I'm a, I, we're all alone here. So you're all, you've got to be uh, self-sustaining. Mm. So that's what helps me. Wow. Yeah. I think that's our biggest difference. <laughs> <laughs> I have to like, go through everything with gra- like a magnifying glass and go through every granular detail to be able to go out the other side. Yeah. Because you can't even look at things. Not, and it's not that one's better no. or... Because I then get into really deep patches of, you know, grief or yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, because we do, we do approach these things differently and, and neither's right or wrong. No, exactly. As, as, we've said, as you discovered growing up, there's a lot of grey... Oh yes, one of mum's life lessons yeah. always used to say to me, "Not everything's black and white, Hannah. There's a lot of grey." <laughs> you didn't like that when you were fifteen. You didn't want to well, hear it. I get, yeah. I guess obviously that was completely fueled by naivety, but and I I do see that there is a lot of grey in the world. I appreciate that, and I I lesson I learned as I grew up. But I also do try and hold on to that spirit of thinking about things in black and white because it fuels my yeah, sense yeah. of right and wrong. If I give myself too much grey, yeah, yeah, I no. can let myself off the hook yeah, with things. Yeah. There was a period in my life when I allowed myself off the hook from, yeah. from standards that I'd, I'd held quite precious and I let them slip and actually I didn't feel very good. That was the lowest so, chapter in my life was when I was 25 and I started disregarding all my personal moral values and I did that under the guise of the world's grey and I felt really shitty and that was when I then decided to make a huge change in my life and re-establish so I I guess I now understand that there is grey and I look at the world and I try not to hold people to black and white because I I guess that's it you appreciate there's nuance and there's there's uh, aspects to every situation that we'll never be privy to. But for myself, I try and hold a bit of black and white. Yeah. I do for everything except punctuality. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Not intentionally. Hun. Not yeah. intentionally. So, okay, I want to get into the, the quick fire questions. But bef- the last thing, I, I, I know I've not stuck to five things at all, but it's just so much to cover about yeah, you, Yeah, well, Mom. you and you're as old as me. There's a lot to talk about. <laughs> so... We talked about this sort of inner feminist and your thirst for learning more about the world that was in you from a really young age. But I found particularly fascinating and had the chance to watch in from a close distance over lockdown especially because I lived with you during that time. Um, and with the pause globally that we've had and and. Uh, resurgence of certain social justice issues being talked about in a much more public forum than they have been for a long time obviously Black Lives Matter has been the predominant focus but 
there's been a lot of like global issues even you know touching on misogyny there's a yeah. lot's come well, up all the me too stuff yeah has made that uh be and uh, things we talked about as well oh well i said to you recently that i think you're quite unique in for your generation you challenge yourself you challenge i i mean one a lot of those views you already had totally and i don't want to take that away but i think the discussion around like gender as a spectrum is definitely something new in your generation's um it's not something new that i didn't know existed it's just because it's in the forefront of discussion i suppose yeah. i'm i'm constantly evaluating what i think yeah because what i used to think and 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 rightly so there's a whole spectrum of of gender identity uh, that we can't prescribe because yeah. it, we don't need to also. Yeah. And so learning about that and understanding what it's like uh, and, yeah, developing my opinions and yeah. understanding. Oh, I mean, you always, <laughs> we always love us, but you always taught us from when we were in primary school, you know, you'd say things like camp doesn't necessarily mean gay and gay doesn't necessarily mean camp. And so you would, and, you know, teaching me that I didn't have to do box ticking as a young lady you know there wasn't there was never um there was never rigid understandings of gender in our household no no definitely not yeah it's not for me and my brother anyway um but so you you know you've always been really um well what i would say is well informed on these sorts of things um but yeah i just I've been really inspired with how much information you keep on digesting and you're constantly trying to learn more and understand other people's experiences better. I, I Well, it's just much more discussed, I suppose. Yeah. I, I like... Uh, I Yeah, I like the debate. I like the conversation. And the more conversation we have about it, the easier it is for mm. everybody to get along. Because we don't always have to agree with people, but we have to give them space to be yeah. who they want to be. Yeah. You know, I don't want to mention the Brexit word, but I've had to work through that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and it's difficult to, I mean, we live in a very multicultural city, but it's difficult to have close contact with such a spectrum of people to learn experiences firsthand. So we really learn through reading yeah and books we've been reading so many books recently yeah to better inform ourselves so yeah anyway i just wanted to observe that that's inspiring that you haven't hit a decade and gone okay well these are my views and i'm going to stick with them well no i can't be like that because you're always learning and so you you know it's always changing and i from a young age and I was influenced by other more educated, more informed people than me thought, yeah, I just have to keep learning mm. to be, to catch up. I never yeah. catch up to you know who, but um, <laughs> I keep trying. And He's a good, um, <laughs> a, a good standard to strive so, for. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, and I'm really glad uh, in how you and your brother, um, exhibit similar, aspirations and and desire to understand and to be a uh a supporter of um causes for people 
different to yourselves or, mm. uh, and you know your activism I admire it and fully encourage it and uh, I'm very proud of you thanks mama yeah okay I'm gonna go into my final six questions right I've heard these before you have so there's no excuses <laughs> you can't go um <laughs> okay let's see okay what's the first thing you do when you get up late <laughs> I don't always get up late I do check my phone. Yeah, me too. Yeah. What action feels most like prayer to you? So what thing that you do makes you feel most connected to your best self? Um, it is nature, being outdoors, walking, sunshine. Actually, I don't mind sunshine, rain, whatever. As long as there's no critters though, right? I don't like critters very much. But don't like lizards. I tried to photo like Mr. take a photo of Mr. Fox the other day when Aww. I was walking home. Last night when I was walking home, he was in next door's I garden. I don't know if I'd call a fox a critter. Well, anyway, but um, no, I, and yeah, it, uh, it's important being outside, going for walks. That's what's, what was great about lockdown. Yeah, wasn't the it? It was all the walking, walk. all the time and mm. uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I don't know how you can answer this one, but what is the most audacious thing you've ever done? The most, I I think getting on a plane and going to, on an adventure when I didn't really know what was out yeah. there, that was probably... When you first left, is that the instance when you sent your dad a postcard two weeks later after you arrived to tell him you were there safely? Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> there were only postcards and, and airmail and, you know, the, in those days. And I, yeah, that was it. I tell people that story so much because, like, when I went to the other side of the world, I was WhatsApping you all day, every day. Mm. And to think that to inform I mean, a parent. I may have phoned him. But they have phones? Yeah, you had phones, but it was a lot of money you had to put in and get all the change mm. to do change that could have been spent on a beer well exactly there was a big priority of that but um yeah no that's what i did so i think that's probably yeah yeah that's quite a while ago babe so maybe it's time to well, i don't know I why t- don't you move I to, to move try- to a new country i try to do things i try to be as audacious as i can be no you're in life. very audacious don't yeah, worry i, d- I don't I don't let thing. Yeah, I try things. I want to do things. Step into the fear. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, what commitment are you going to make to yourself for this coming week? Oh, uh, early nights. <laughs> I love an early night. <laughs> okay. Um, when was the last time you felt fearful, and how did you handle it? The most fearful I've ever felt is trying not to... Not ever, the last no. time. Oh, the last time. Uh, okay, not ever. When do I feel fear? Oh, sometimes I feel fear before I go for a 10k run and think I can't make it. <laughs> I have to psych myself into it so that... And learning to scuba dive. That was the most terrifying thing I've ever done. And really? I didn't actually do it. I... I wasn't very well at the time, but I absolutely was having panic attacks. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you do have that thing where you your mental self says, you can't breathe underwater, so you don't trust the apparatus. I don't trust it, yeah. yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't let go of that, and that frustrates me, but I am big enough to 
move on. Yeah. <laughs> I have other things to conquer. And to be fair, you live in London, so there's not a whole lot of skateboarding happening. No. Um, okay, final question, Mama. Where is your happy place? With my With babies. With my babies? <laughs> <laughs> You've never seen a happier woman than when she's got her, mo- her mother, her kids around her, yeah. and including grandkids. And including grandkids, yeah. That's my happy place. And I don't even I don't even have to be talking to them or engaged, but if they're here and uh, they're around and enjoying each other, that's definitely my best place. Well, I'm honoured to be in your answer. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to thank you so much. I know you were a bit apprehensive. <laughs> yeah, probably should have said this. Really shouldn't have said that. But um, no, it was amazing. And I live for our big chats like this we have them regularly without a microphone we do um, yeah this is just a normal chat right? yeah this is just a normal chat i'm like mum tell me about what happened when you were 17 mum tell me about um but yeah it was great thank you so much for sharing your life experiences with me and the listeners and i hope it's not too dull for the listeners oh no not at mom your life's been so colorful i love it not and finished yet baby yeah oh yeah that did sound quite conclusive yeah. okay your life is so colorful yes. hun yeah. and we have more adventures more adventures we'll do a round two then later yes another time yeah. until then until then